0: My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you're enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher or Podbean as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency, that's w-i-l-d-e.agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi everyone and welcome back. This is your host Patricia and today I am sitting down with Robin Koenig. Robin is the founder and CEO of Rarefind. Rarefind leadership coaching helps women uh, helps professional women combine mindset and confidence with intentional action to create powerful change in their life. Welcome Robin.
1: Hi Patricia, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for coming on. I'm excited to get into what you do with Rarefind. Um, but and to, before we do that, a quick roadmap of today's podcast for everyone listening. It will follow the same trajectory that um, all of the podcasts in this series does. First, we'll look at Robin's academic background and early professional life following that. And then we'll turn to unpacking, RareFind, And um, we'll get into the logistics of who, what, when, where, why, how, funding, all of that. And then we'll climb into the, some of the more philosophical issues and the impetus for launching it, uh, maybe the ethos of the company. And then we'll go to goals that Robin may have for the next three years for RareFind, three to five years. And then we'll wrap everything up with advice that Robin may have for those of you looking to emulate what she does or perhaps get involved with RareFind as it stands now. A quick bio on Robin before I start peppering her with questions. Um, As a professed self-improvement junkie, public speaker, and certified professional coach, Robin is an expert at combining mindset and self-confidence with intentional action to create powerful change in your life. Robin's approach for audiences is energetic and authentic, with an element of humor as a mom of four teens in an active, blended family. With more than 20 years in corporate, nonprofit, freelance, and entrepreneurship, she has a versatile and honest perspective about the path to success and roadblocks in the way. Robin received her BS degree from Indiana University and completed her coach training at. IPEC, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. She is an ICF credentialed certified professional coach, CPC and ACC, with hundreds of hours of client management. She's also certified as an Energy Leadership Index Master Practitioner, ELI-MP, which provides critical and professionally trained analysis of core energy and stress response. So Robin, I'm kind of excited to climb into especially a lot of those certifications and um, the acronyms therein because I think that it's one of the unique aspects to your bio Um, in the fact that I've spoken with a ton of coaches over the past year. I'm excited to find out about the certification, which has been an area that I've been curious about for a long time. But before we get to that, I was hoping that you could kind of enumerate on your academic background and early professional uh, life after that to kind of get the uh, bird's eye view into the beginning.
1: So Patricia you know it's interesting I have a similar story a lot of people say well I went to school for this and now I do this and they're not even close to what you know you you've studied in college so I went to Indiana University I studied two things I had um, a degree in apparel merchandising and also costume construction technology Nice. Is nothing to do with life coaching aside from the fact that I left school and I knew that I wanted to be a freelance wardrobe stylist that's what I wanted to do Um, I grew up in the Midwest so this was a journey for me to pack up everything I had and move to LA which is what I did and so you know 1996 I was living in LA and I was working in the entertainment industry as a stylist waiting tables, just like everybody else in the business, <laughs> and trying to find my way. And that's, that's how I began my career. And it was absolutely fantastic. I loved doing what I was doing. I was working all kinds of crazy hours in, you know, I was doing short films, long films, music videos, commercial shoots, whatever I could get my hands on, just to get my foot in the door somewhere and get the experience. And after about three and a half years of doing that, not being a union employee, just really struggling, I realized I wanted to do something else. And in my mind, it was what I called a, quote, real job. (laughs) Yeah. And so I decided to pursue something else. But I was honestly, I was very stuck. I didn't know how to do that because the skill set, or at least the resume that I had in the film industry was, you know. This was this was the film, this was my role, and this is how long I did it for. And it didn't translate to what I felt was, you know, kind of like a normal resume. And so I remember reaching out to my dad, who, you know, has always been a guide of mine, a business mentor and such, and just saying, What do I do? How do I reframe this in a way that's gonna get me a different career opportunity? And his biggest piece of advice was look at what you've learned look at the experience you've gotten from doing all of those things and translate to something applicable something tangible that somebody's going to want to hire you for and so we started to pick those pieces apart and i came up with a great new resume that i put out there and realized i had a knack for not only the creative side of my brain but also you know numbers and business and so I went into the field of marketing and communications, and that's where I went next after working in film. And I worked in an agency, and I was doing a lot of marketing promotions for big clients like Procter and Gamble and launching all of their new products. And it was really exciting. I loved doing that. I was helping communicate, you know, what these products were all about and get people interested in them. And I did that for for a period of time until I realized. I really loved the brand side of the work. I really wanted to be on that big brand side, not on the agency side. Right. And so that's when I stepped into the corporate environment and I decided to then work for a very large brand in the coffee sector. I worked for Starbucks Coffee and moved to San Francisco to start working with them um, in the same field in marketing and communications and public relations and community relations. And so that was from about 96 until 2000 um that was wow, that was
0: during their boom too that's yeah. an amazing time period to be working with that company it
1: was and what was really great was they were at the point where they wanted to start bringing people in um in the field you know outside of seattle they were growing all of their different markets yeah. and so i had the opportunity to work you know as a, a remote based partner to, you know, help open new stores, help connect with the community, especially in a market like San Francisco, that wasn't necessarily big brand friendly, they were growing at such a high rate that they needed people to, you know, to do that work. And so not only was it just, you know, kind of traditional marketing work, but it was also about how do we engage with the community? How do we, you know, connect with them in a way that feels valuable, that they're going to be accepting of these, you know, new stores opening. And yeah. so that Lot of the work that I got to do, um, and so I did that for close to twelve years. It was a you know a great journey. I was very I was very supported by a company that you know really did lead with their heart, and to the point where I moved down to San Diego after that to um, you know just to make a change in my own personal space. I wanted to move back to Southern California, and they supported that and they helped me transfer and you know stay with the company. And then after a period of time, they did start to go through some change, and that's pretty normal. You know, they went through a lot of different layoffs to the point where they were centralizing a lot of the marketing and communications work up to Seattle. And they offered me the opportunity to go to Seattle and continue to do that work, and I said, thanks, but I don't think that's right for me, you know, so I actually turned that down.
0: How big is that kind of a team? When you're dealing with a branding of, like, an expansion that happened with Starbucks, does it... um Is it stratified? Do they have different layers that approach, you know, especially since it was with the advent of social marketing, social media marketing and things of that nature during those decades? um, Did they have it um, parsed out between different departments or was it all a conglomerate of one?
1: There was a lot of different departments to be honest and and it changed over time. So my job when I first started with them, you know, was, um, was pretty specific in marketing communications. And then over that it kind of turned into marketing segmentation. And then I was doing a lot more new store opening. So it it changed a lot, but a lot of the stuff was based in Seattle. There was a lot of, you know, the creative development was done in Seattle. Um, all the operations were in each market. So I got to work hand in hand with, you know, regional directors and district managers and even down to the store manager level to really help, uh, again, kind of infuse the understanding of why they wanted to connect with their community and how they could really be personable to their customers. Yeah. So um, my team on a regional, like a field-based marketing Was was pretty diverse across the country. We had well over a hundred partners that were doing that same kind of work, just in every single market, Mm -hmm. until they decided to consolidate and centralize that. And then it was kind of like the game of survivor. It was like, you know, which market's going away next, and are you on the market island that's going to stay? Yeah. And you know, you'd see your friends and peers, you know, be laid off, and it was really, really difficult. Honestly, and so this was in 2011 when they were making this big shift, and um, I had just been through a divorce. I had a very young child and a mortgage, and all of these things. And I remember, you know, being told, you know, that my job was being eliminated, and they did what they could to provide, you know, severance opportunities and so forth. But I was terrified. I, I did not know what was next for me at all. And that was the first time I had ever felt that way because I had had a pretty good run of, you know, kind of guiding my own career path until Mm -hmm. that point. And so that was a really big uh, defining moment of change for me where I was kind of like, okay, now what do I do? And I was in a little bit of a freak out moment, like a desperation, you know, like, I don't know what to do. And what happened was I had um, quite a few friends that I had, you know, been connecting with and I had also been starting my journey in fitness. So, as I was going through my divorce, I really became very ingrained in um, health and wellness. I started running, I was doing you know half marathons and 5Ks, and that was kind of my outlet. It was my way of doing something very positive through a difficult time in my life. And so I was doing that, and I had started training in CrossFit and realized that this was something I absolutely loved. I had never done anything like it. I was not an athlete growing up. You know, I didn't. I honestly didn't even have a background at all. And here I was, you know, 35 years old and realizing that this was really cool and I was pretty darn good at it. So um, I started to, I got my coaching credentials. I was actually coaching in CrossFit. And so it was just a part of my life that I was really enjoying. And along the way, I was meeting some new people. And I connected with a woman that was starting a nonprofit organization that was ingrained in CrossFit that was, you know, rooted in fitness, but it was really in the breast cancer space. And I knew nothing about that except for the fact that my mom had been diagnosed in 2010. Mm. And I was supporting her by working with this nonprofit. It was kind of my way of doing something to support her. And over a meeting of breakfast and talking with my friend who had founded this organization, she realized there was an opportunity for me to change careers and she offered me a job. And I said, okay. In what capacity? So when I was first hired with the organization, they, I was their third employee. So it was the founder and her husband that were the only two employees. And she brought me on as a COO. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting is I honestly did not know what that meant as far as in the nonprofit space. I was like, well, whatever it is that you need me to do to help grow this organization and develop these programs, I don't care about the title. So yes. And I accepted the job over breakfast and basically went from my corporate job to my new job within like literally having no time of unemployment. I had like a day of unemployment Wow! transitioned in those careers. Um, And it was a significant change, you know, not just financially, but also just in understanding that whole space. And when I started to work with them, I realized that the job that I was doing was wearing a hundred different hats.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say with a nonprofit and the CEO title with three employees, I think that that sounds about right.
1: Yeah. And again, we didn't, I think also... As a group, we didn't really know what that meant. We just kind of started to say, well, these were the titles that made sense. But the reality was I was building programs. And so that's what I started to do. And while I started to do that and we brought on a couple more people, we realized that the CO title didn't really make sense. And so I dropped it. So I demoted from the COO essentially to being their program manager, their program director. And I kind of rebuilt myself Back within the organization, as the organization grew, Mm -hmm. I was still a leader in the organization, but we changed the titles around all the time. And so after six years, I wound up being their president and their COO again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. So did you do it for clarification for your customer and client, or did you do it just for your own kind of clarification of what your role within the company was during those time periods?
1: As far as changing the titles? Yes. It was honestly, it was more about what we felt made sense to the audience that we were building a team and to really define those roles because the COO and building programs and getting out into the community and talking about programs, it felt disconnected. It didn't feel like they would necessarily have the same level of understanding of what I was really doing by wearing that title. Mm. And so, um, but you know, that was kind of the world of the nonprofit space too. It was kind of like less about the title, more about the function.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it probably still is. Um, so did this work with the nonprofit following the major work, you know, with well, rather the larger scaled client of Starbucks lead into Rare Find.
1: It did in a very unique way, because what happened was in 2017, the organization also went through another change, and they decided to go through some layoffs. And my job was one of those that was eliminated from the organization. And so here I was again, (laughs) you know, going through a layoff and saying, okay, you know, and and realizing that the contribution I had made was so valuable, you know. I, I, I wasn't upset about it. It's, it's always a process, right, when you go through a layoff to try and sort through your feelings associated with it. And this time, unlike the first time when it had happened in my corporate job, I kind of felt this sense of calm. Mm. And I didn't rush to figure it out. I remember, you know, stopping. I remember stopping for a moment and saying, what do I want now? and not just jumping back into saying gosh I need a new job you know it wasn't a need it was like what do I want now and what I did was I stopped and I and I thought about all of the things that I had done and what I was really good at kind of like back in my freelance days when I had to revise the resume I wanted to really understand what those gifts were and what I could bring to the table in a career that maybe I didn't know was out there. And that's where the coaching came in. And I started to talk to people. I started to talk to people that I felt I wanted to know more about what they were doing and why they did it. And so I started to sit down with people and have conversations. And I realized that in coaching and speaking that it was an industry. It wasn't an industry that I really knew about. I was like, oh, is this a thing? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it opened me up to saying, gosh, this is something I can really do so well because for the last 20 years, what have I loved so much? I've loved helping people understand what they're good at. I've loved guiding people, guiding a team, helping people embrace this sense of personal leadership that in a job capacity, I didn't ever really do it like as my job, but gosh, that's what I really love to do the most in every type of job that I've ever had. And so I loved personal development and I just started to explore that as a way to build a new career opportunity, be an entrepreneur again, and Go back and get some credentials that I felt would be really valuable in this space
0: so with the with the, the impetus to launch rarefind you were also kind of filled with the desire to get the certifications. It was rather certifications before the brand i 'm always curious when people develop things like their um, coaching enterprises if what comes first you know you, you had a desire to coach people, um, clearly the idea struck you, and it sounds like you then went into the certifications, where did you launch RareFind as you were becoming certified or after?
1: I actually did it right before I went to IPEC. And so the reason that started was because um, I have a very dear friend that is also, he's, he's, well, he's an amazing author. He's a best-selling author. He's a leadership guru. He's a keynote speaker. And I went and did one of his like, workshops where I was certified in his framework of leadership, which is called Extreme Leadership. His name is Steve Farber, and um, he has a framework called LEAP that I really thought was absolutely fantastic, and so I decided to get certified in that framework, and while I was doing that, I realized that this is an opportunity for me to get started, you know, use this framework, start coaching people in the leadership space, and so that's when I started Rarefine Leadership Coaching, kind of as the longer entity of Rarefine, and started to do that while I was going to IPEC, I believed so much that the credentials would get me further in that space, but I didn't want to wait. Um, and that's kind of a bit of my personality. I'm not afraid to try something while I'm learning. You know, it's all about the growth in yeah. you know, doing something and that intentionality of doing something and learning along the way and knowing that it wasn't going to be perfect, but I was going to kind of figure it out. And so that's what I started to do
0: so you're getting you're obtaining all of these certifications and kind of developing rarefine can you speak to well so quickly um just some of the logistics to give everyone a feel for it when was it launched Were um, did you have any other co-founders did you take any boots uh, any funding or did you bootstrap for um the funding of the development and um Yeah, so let's just start with those three. So did you have a co-founder, and did you take any funding for it, and when was it launched?
1: Yeah, so I launched Rarefine Leadership Coaching in November of 2017, and it's always been my own entity. So I did not have any co-founders, nor did I take any funding for it. Um, I really just said, I know how to do this. I'm going to start with you know, just really connecting with people and starting to figure out what that process is that is going to get them from where they are to where they want to be. I mean, it's, it's it sounds basic, but at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. And it's, it wasn't up to me to figure out where they wanted to go. The journey with the client is always meeting them where they are and then helping them get there. Like I'm the navigator, they're the driver. And so I didn't want to put so much into developing my own framework until I was experiencing it personally with those clients.
0: Yeah. And it, within that, it sounds like you could develop a niche, you know, within the, the specific clientele that um, you work with. Have you found that you've developed a niche or do you span the horizon?
1: Yeah. So that's been part of the, the progression of Rare Find um, today. So when I first started in 2017, and it's very common in this industry to go through various niches, you know, they they, in, in, the, in the programs, they always emphasize, like, pick your niche, you know, really figure out what that container is that you're going to solve a problem with. And so I started in leadership because I knew that's what my experience was. You know, I had worked in corporate, I worked in nonprofit. I'd done that for so long. It made sense. And I remember I woke up January of 2018, a few months after I had started my business, and I woke up, literally sat up in bed, and my husband looked at me and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't want to do leadership coaching. I want to do relationship coaching. Like I have a voice in this and I want to speak to women that have been through, you know, tough relationships and I want to help them find love. And I remember that. And I was like, where did that come from? (laughs) You know? And obviously it'd become from my experience. I had been through divorce. I had, you know, found love again. I, you know, gotten remarried and I knew what that felt like to go through that. I wanted to help women especially, get back to a space where they, they knew what they could do and find love again, but it's going to take some work. So I started rarefind relationship coaching, which was really the dating niche. It was getting people through, I called it from disaster to dream dating, you know. So I worked with them for um, a period of, of close to a year of doing that kind of work. And what I was learning along the way, was that for me, the rare find umbrella wasn't meant to be a small container. I really wanted to open it up. I wanted to make it where the reason I, I'll give you the quick backstory about why rare find is called what it is. When I was going back to, you know, finding another job and I was getting my coaching credentials, but I was still kind of putting my feelers out there. I'd asked some people for recommendations and my friend Steve Farber wrote me a recommendation on LinkedIn. And he basically, he said, I was a triple threat, which I just thought was super cool because I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. Like a superhero. Yeah. But, um, based on some of my gifts, the things that he knew that were special about me, you know, warm and engaging with my clients, gift for numbers and data, um, you know, drawing people to me. So that was kind of the first piece. And then he said, combined with my experience of in the C-suite and the nonprofit space that I was a rare find. And I thought that was just such a special thing to say. Like, I remember feeling so like, wow, that, that's really awesome. I want everybody to feel like they are a rare find, whether it's in the professional space, you know, finding their, you know, their place in their career or in a relationship. Like that, that term really identified people as being unique and special. Yeah. And so as I was going through these different niches and I was, honestly, I was coaching clients in both spaces. I was coaching clients on leadership. I was working with small business owners and entrepreneurs, and I was working with women in the dating space. I was like, you know what? I I don't have to have a niche necessarily. What I need to do is understand what that journey is for them. And what I realized was if you work on yourself it's not, you don't have different lives. You don't have a personal life and a professional life and a family life and a social life. You have one life. And when you work on yourself, it's going to bleed into all of those areas. How you show up will impact your professional life. How you show up will impact your personal life. And so when I was working with women and say that their, their goal or their intention was to find love again, well it always had an impact on how they showed up to their job. It always built confidence in how they showed up in a social environment,
0: you yeah. know? Yeah, and- absolutely. I think everything is in a system, right? I think people have slowly started to realize that Eastern and Western, you know, medicines combined are what make the whole, you know, it's the mind and the body. It's, It's everything in the middle. I think that that's a key concept within coaching as well. So is is your company still expanding its umbrella reach? Are you going from leadership to relationships to something else now? Like what does the future hold?
1: Yeah. So it's funny because I always, for some reason, felt like the term life coach was just um, that it was more generic than what I really felt I wanted to be, you know, kind of labeled with. And that was about me. That was, that was not about, you know, the the industry itself. Yes. There's a lot of people out there that use that title. But what I came to terms with was the fact that if I am working with somebody on improving their life, then I'm a life coach, you know? And so I can go out there and say, yes, I can work with people on leadership and yes, I can work with them on relationships. But at the end of the day, I'm a coach. And so this rare fine umbrella is meant to be a container for anybody that wants to make an improvement that wants to make a change and they're stuck, you know, and that's truly the intention. And, and it's funny because sometimes I'll go to a meeting or an event and the first thing they'll say is, you know, well, like what kind of coach are you? And I like to say, well, what kind of coach do you need?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, absolutely. I think that it, you've got to be able to span if you're going to be dealing like you said, every part deals with the other. So what do you see over the next three years for Rare Find? What, do you have um, goals that you make for like the traditional three- to five-year business plan?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, definitely, it comes down to connecting with more people. And if I'm able to go out there and really talk more about my, my, a lot of my main platforms and topics that I talk about are under change management or what I call the power of pivot You know, that's a really big topic and helping people understand pivots and and that they are really purposeful. Um, Talking about understanding their gifts and using them powerfully to affect that change in their life. Those Mm -hmm. kinds of messages, that's what Rare Find is really all about, is going out there and sharing those messages so people can dig into their own personal understanding and find their definition of success, find their definition of you know, value and, and build on that confidence that's going to get them all those different places. So a lot more speaking. I've been doing that, you know, in various forums. Obviously, um, my podcast is one of those places where I get to do that and expanding on, you know, that trajectory and getting the word out through Rare Fine Voices, which is my podcast. And then, um, you know, I've got, I've got some great ideas for books. So that's in my future as I continue to do that because they really go hand in hand you know, to have a tool that people can utilize that makes sense in their world and then actually apply it to the work that they want to do on themselves. So it's, I really like to get rid of all the extras for me. It's really, you know, less is more yeah. and be very focused on more speaking and, um, and, and connecting with more people.
0: It's an exciting, it's an exciting three-year plan. That's a lot of a lot of goals, a lot of energy, a lot of loftiness, and it seems like it'll be changing um, the face, but still continuing on with like some of your axiomatic, you know, core roots in rare find. Um, I'm curious if when so, um, my favorite question is always, as everyone who knows who knows me is um, my final one for you today, and that is. If you were in a park or a garden tomorrow and a, a young woman or female-identified non-binary individual came up and said, listen, I've, I've done you know some really great dynamic work. I've switched my career up from that which I received my degree in. I've done marketing for big brands. I've done nonprofit. And I'm just now thinking I'm going to go off and launch my very first startup. Um, You know, based on in the coaching industry, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual knowing what you know now?
1: Great question. I love that. Um, I would say don't be afraid to try something that you haven't figured out all the pieces yet. And the reason I say that is because so many of us feel so much more comfortable when we've got everything all put together to put it out into the universe. And I believe, obviously, in doing diligence, but at the same time, you gotta put things out there and try and see what works. And I look at it as like an experiment. You know, look yeah. at it as this is not personal. This is about understanding and seeing the learning and the, and the information that you're gonna gather from trying something and then just go back. So, you know, it's so easy to sit back and say, I'm gonna build this, I'm gonna build this, build this, and try and get it all nice and neat, but you're gonna waste a lot of time. doing that so finding a better balance you know not just going out there shotgun and and not trying anything but you know put some of the pieces together put it out there test it come back again see what happens and be okay with those pivots and those changes as you start so that would be my first piece the second piece i would say i love to say that um, self-confidence is a renewable resource and it's so common to get into this place, I call it compare and despair, where you're looking at everybody else and what they're doing and how far they've come and what's on social media. And it hurts. It can really bring your self-confidence down to the point where you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And, and that's a tough spot to be. I've been there. I get that. When you realize that your self-confidence doesn't go away, that you tap back into it, you just have to figure out how to do that. It mm-hmm it's really exciting. And so being able to believe in that and trust in the fact that you can bring that back, don't think it's gone, you know, go through that little bit of a valley, but then come right back out and keep climbing to that peak.
0: Hmm.
1: So that would be my second one. And and then I, I would say the third one is, um, just n- not letting fear stop you. You know, it's very similar to the first piece, but you know, fear is one of those things. There's two kinds of fear. There's physical fear, like. There's something in my way. Like it's a big fat bear and I'm afraid of that. (laughs) You know, run the other way. I get that. If it's emotional fear, be willing to tackle that and understand why you're afraid. And once you understand why you're afraid, you're able to change that perspective. You're able to help understand it and say, is this something that should be getting in my way or can I change my perspective enough? to move it forward. And fear is a really good thing. It's a great motivator. And it's the only thing I had somebody tell me this once. It's the only thing gets smaller as you approach it. And I thought that that was a really cool visual, you know, to think about approaching fear and having it get smaller as you get. Yeah,
0: it it really is. So I've got, don't, uh, number one, don't be afraid to try something that you don't have completely sussed out yet. Mm -hmm. um, and stay open to pivoting self. Uh, number two, self-confidence is a renewable resource. Which is awesome. And don't let fear uh, weigh in. Make sure to analyze what you're afraid of. I do like the idea of you know, coming into um, and, and kind of embracing. I think that there's a lot of terms for that throughout all um, forms of philosophy and even um, religious terms you know, about embracing things that terrify us or, um, and, and, and really sitting with them because frequently the way that we diminish that with our children is by sitting down with the reality. Of it, right? We unpack it and we we show them that the fear is, largely, usually without basis. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's a it's a crucial thing. And we always return, right, to the simplicity of, the nature of the teachings that we once learned as children, and you just need to reapply them as adults. Well, we are out of time today. I'm bummed out, Robin, because I want I had a million other questions to ask you, and so I think I'll um, circle back around and try and get you to come back on maybe with a roundtable episode or. We'll circle back in a year and find out where Rare Find is at and what what other um, key topics you've put under your umbrella.
1: Excellent. Thank you. I would love that.
0: Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Um, For everyone listening, please um, tune in to uh, Robin's Rare Find Voices podcast. And until you and I speak again next time, thank you so much for your time. And remember to always bet on yourself. Sanchão.